Welcome to Brother to Brother, a podcast that's part therapy, part tongue-in-cheek, and all real talk. Uh, it's episode 10, and today we're going to be talking about uh, protests and sports and all that fiasco. We might as well, I mean, it's like the big thing that everybody's talking about. So uh, it's interesting because, you know, as a non-sports person, I've, I've found it interesting how many like sports people are actually talking about it. And I, I just think that's an interesting conversation to have. So I'm going to have that with uh, my brother, John, who can correct, correct me about every, all my misconceptions and everything I got wrong and don't quite understand. So John, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. It was uh mid seventies up here in Massachusetts today. So nobody so, cares about your weather. I, uh, you have no idea. The people up North do. They're like, what? 77. You were on the beach. I hate you. Um, but no, all in all, everything's great. The healthcare looks to be dead. Obviously, we still got three more days. I think it is. So, um, I'm feeling good about that. Uh, and I get to see Open Mike Eagle tomorrow night. What up? So, uh, yeah, life is good. Well, that is good. Um, shoot, what have I been doing? Uh, mostly just working. Uh, caught a couple movies. I saw Mother, which I, I don't recommend to anybody. Um, and Kingsman, which is just okay, if I'm honest. How much better was it from the first one? Uh, I thought the first one was better. It had a, a more compelling storyline, and then I thought the um, it, the plot was better too, as long as the action and and uh, Julianne Moore was kind of wasted. There, are, I think that's the one thing you could say about Kingsman too is that there are a lot of wasted moments. Okay, before we get into the main topic, let's talk about a couple of things that are happening in the news. Moonlight uh, writer Terrell Alvin McCarney, McCraney and uh, David Oyolo are joining forces on a new Disney musical called Cyrano the, Mo- the Moor, which apparently it sounds like it's going to be a mix of... Uh, Cyrano de Bergerac with um, Othello, so that's gonna be that's quite interesting. Uh, I, I like that, you know, Disney. I guess is finally getting into the diversity game, and uh, this, you know, just considering who's involved right now, um, I, I'm really excited for this. Um, is this gonna be an animated move, uh, musical, or is this gonna be a action, a live picture, whatever they call them? Uh, you know, that's a good question. Um, it's, it looks like it's going to be live action. Yeah, live action. That's nice. Well, I'm with you. I really, I don't know if this is just a one-off thing or if this is just the fact that they brought them this product that Disney's excited about, but it would be nice if this was the beginning of, like, a streak of independent stories of the uh, of that are like diversity fueled that would be nice yeah also in the news north korea once again threatening everybody firing random missiles doing random missile tests and then of course um recently there was an earthquake in northern north korea near a uh a suspected test site um now some of the regional G, uh, some of the regional people have have suspected it was a, a another test, but um, American intelligence has said they believe that it actually was just a natural um, seismic event. 
which I don't believe. Um, but why why would they lie about a testing versus a seismic event? Because if it's a new bomb, I think they like to control what information comes out of North Korea and like what we actually. Because I, I obviously think they're doing more than our intelligence puts on. I think that's a hundred percent true. Um, I okay. just think that uh, if say, because you know, North Korea threatened a uh, testing a hydrogen bomb over uh, over the ocean. I think that if there was a if they made a more advanced bomb, something that would really frighten South Korea or Japan into action, I think the United States might potentially not want to expose that. I think they would want to keep that under wraps. I don't know. Trump, I think he would like to use any excuse to pick a fight with them. So if they had a new bomb, he'd be the first to let us know. Yeah, but that's the reason why I think that the intelligence wouldn't wouldn't tell Trump. I think they'd be... Because it, oh, you think keeping him in the dark? Definitely. I like the way you think. Well, think about it. Like the, He was fighting against the... Uh, intelligence agency before he even got in and then when he got in he basically has said if it's intelligence that he doesn't like you know he's basically just like hey you know it's not true it's fake news he's you know basically um tried to humiliate them so it makes me think that it wouldn't surprise me if they were like fuck it we're not going to tell him you know plus i'm sure a lot of them especially the career guys know how reckless and dangerous he is so I think that is uh, more than enough reason uh, for them to keep that information away from him. Fascinating. Well, in um, other news, um, and I guess this isn't, yeah, in other world news, um, Mexico experienced an earthquake, uh, what, 6.1 with possible aftershocks. And, you know, they're having to deal with the, um, the, the, the damage that was occurred and loss of life. I think I last I saw was something like 230 some odd people that died. Um, so yeah, they're, you know, had, they had to worry about the aftershocks and there was a lot of people going down there to, to help out. And, you know, with the loss of power and the loss of, uh, infrastructure. It was, um, which is pretty tough. Cause you know, they already had the, what the 7.2 or whatever it was. Uh, so having that 6.1 on the back end obviously caused a lot more fear and a lot, you know, a lot of people are just concerned about what is coming next. If this is an aftershock, if it's another earthquake. And unfortunately, Mexico, um, whose president sent uh, not just well wishes, but actual resources and people into Texas after uh, Irma messed up Houston, you know, our president has not been decent or humane enough to extend that same uh, helping hand. And there have been regional people, especially from the Texas, Arkansas, Louisiana area, who have gone down to basically return the favors that were given to them. Um, I don't know. It, it, it's just a, a troubling, uh, what's it called, a pattern of events because Puerto Rico, which is suffering the after effects of Maria, has had a great deal of issues with just, you know, getting resources in, getting uh, people in. You know, it's it's it seems like when there's a um, when there's a tragedy, especially a natural disaster that involves brown people, our president tends to be absent. 
Yeah, because I mean, just Puerto Rico, for instance, the the way how long it took him to say anything. What was it? Something like five days or something. I mean, he had no no problem tweeting about the Olympic. I mean, uh, the NFL, but he couldn't find time to tweet and and bring attention to the problems in in uh, Puerto Rico. And what's even worse about that is that his administration is like it seems to be going out of their way to not help these people. I think they just they got they have people you know from FEMA on the ground, but they're still having problems with with power because they don't the island doesn't have any power. And then there are rules set in place that um, Trump could waive, and he waived them for um, for Texas so that they could get oil and stuff into the pipelines and and help out there. But he's not waiving those rules to uh, help Puerto Rico, and and I, I've seen some reports of just shipyards full of aid you know and uh, supplies and and things of that nature that are just sitting in in ports that aren't getting to Puerto Rico because uh, of things that the administration isn't doing and it seems like you know a lot of people are saying that this is going to be uh Trump's uh Katrina well that for me is the, is the sad part about it like you know the fact that he had the uh, Merchant Maritime Act of 1920 also known as the Jones Act I had to look it up um the fact that he so quickly waived it for Houston and yet won't do it for Puerto Rico makes no sense. And I saw, um, I've been seeing on Twitter and I even saw on CNN um, this uh, picture of this guy who's basically walking through this cargo yard and there are just, you know, tons and tons of supplies in, um, in, the, in the cargo trucks uh, and they're just sitting there and they've been there since Saturday and there are not enough people, there's not enough, you know, gas to, to to fuel the trucks to get them moving it's just like the idea that this president would purposely do this because there's no other way to think that he wouldn't like um it's i don't know i just again it's it's disappointing and it's one of those things where it makes you wonder if it makes you wonder if he knows that Puerto Rico and Puerto Ricans are American. Like, it, it's one of those things where I seriously... Yeah, I, I even tweeted something to this effect because I was like, I don't think he knows that those people are Americans. He probably thinks that they're Mexicans or something because it's it's so galling that Americans are, are being treated this way. And I know that, you know, Puerto Rico isn't a state, it's a territory, so I, I don't know if that has any effect in it you know, and what's going on. And I seriously doubt that somebody like Trump, you know, is that um, in touch with the way things are, you know, how things are working to to know the difference between the two. But uh, it's, it's just, it's kind it's really disgusting because these are American citizens and they're not getting the best um, care that they would have. I mean, could you imagine if this was like, Florida or North Carolina or any continental state, it, you know that what's going on down there right now when it happened. And the most fucked up thing, his excuse like, oh, you know, supplies are taking forever to get there because, you know, it's a big ocean. It's like, fucker, Puerto Rico is there. You can take a puddle jumper from Florida to get to Puerto Rico. Like, it's not like Puerto Rico is in the middle. It's not the Canary Islands near... Yeah, it's not Guam. It's not Guam, exactly. Like, you could very easily get those supplies there. And, you know, FEMA is doing the best that they can. The National Guard 
are doing the best that they can. But when it comes down to it, the president has the availability to make these things easier, to put overwhelming resources and men on the ground to get people out. The fact that you have people like Pitbull, people like um, Mark Cuban, the owner of the Mavericks, uh, all these other different people who are either are connected to to um, Puerto Rico through experience, whether it's connected to Puerto Rico through family like Carmelo Anthony, J.J. Perea, both NBA players, people who are doing what you know great heroes like Roberto Clemente did back in the day, using their own resources, going to their owners and saying, "Can we use this charter? Can we charter this plane?" Can I raise this type of money? I mean, Mark Cuban, J.J. Barea basically went to Mark Cuban and said, I'm worried about my my, my grandmother and my mother who are in Puerto Rico. Mark Cuban chartered his two planes, filled them with supplies and people, flew them down, and then flew people back. Like, without ask, he he had a basketball star who's a millionaire who was basically asking for help saying, what can I do? How can I, how can I make this? better and he went out of his way to and our president won't do that right. our, president, our president can send 20 planes he can send 100 planes he can send some of those Trump planes if he wanted to he can send trips and I mean it's, and that's a crazy thing people Florida how many naval bases are in Florida how many naval bases are in the Gulf send some of those ships down with people it, it, it blows my mind that our president is just so see you say it blows your mind but it does not blow my mind I at the end of the day, like these are brown people, and he doesn't care about them. They're not real Americans in, in, in his eyes, I think. The way I look at it, if you're brown right now and you need help, don't look for Trump because he's not gonna do shit. Yeah, but uh, moving on, let's let's talk about some other things in the news. Um, GOP's last ditch effort to repeal and replace seems to have failed. Uh, this, this Graham Cassidy healthcare is, I mean, we're still three days away from, you know, the, the official, this thing is dead, but it, it seems like, uh, with McCain and Rand Paul and who is it, uh, Lisa Mikowski? And, uh, Susan Collins. And Susan Collins. Yeah. I mean, they could only afford to lose two. I thought it was three. No, no, I thought it was, no, no, they couldn't. They couldn't. If they lost three, then it would fail, because they needed two because they oh, could yeah. use uh, the president, vice president, yep. as a, as a uh, t- tiebreaker. So yeah, so they could only lose two, and it looks like they've got four that they lost. But you know, a lot of people are like, "Yay, it's dead." I'm saying, you know, don't exactly. don't let's, celebrate just yet. Let's celebrate on Sunday. Right, because how many times have this thing been dead? You know. Uh, you had um, uh, Paul Ryan saying, "Hey, it's a Obamacare is a law of the land," and then he came back and passed some bullshit. And then they they were like, "Well, if we don't have the votes, we're not going to vote on it." And then you know they brought it, McConnell and then brought it back and brought it to a vote, and it died. And then you know, so like this is like the third or fourth time this thing has died, and it's not dead until it's it's dead until September thirtieth. So, you know, wait till the clock runs out before you celebrate. Exactly. It's not done till it's done and not a second before. Yeah, because these people are determined to take away health care. 
Yep. And and I predicted, I thought, I said that they're going to do it because they have to, or they feel that they have to, and I still feel that way. Um, so yeah, I, it would not surprise me if there's an emergency session or, or emergency late night session on, um, you know, the 30th, which is a Saturday, or or the 29th, you know, which is uh, Friday. So it, I wouldn't be surprised at all if that happens. Well, the only thing is I don't know who they would sway to make it work. I think I do th- I I mean obviously I agree with you don't sell ce- don't celebrate yet because they definitely could bring it back but I have a feel I have a good feeling that they're on to the next fight which will be tax reform or which is basically just going to be tax cuts for the wealthiest people. But um I don't know, I'm just I kind of small slither of hope where I'm like this might be what this might just be the playbook that continues to happen um Trump fucking shit up and people yelling at Republicans and Republicans being too scared to to really do anything because that's I feel is the greatest thing about or the, the best thing about Republicans is the fact that they're so chicken shit like when it comes down to it the guys who are who know that they'll get reelected mm-hmm They'll hang their other people out to dry. <coughs> Excuse me. And as much as the Freedom Caucus and the Tea Party people think that they have a hold on the party, and they do, you know, Mitch McConnell, Mitch McConnell knows he doesn't have to be beholden to them because Mitch McConnell's going to be in office as long as he wants to. His constituency is so enamored, brainwashed. Um, I don't know. I don't know how you want to describe it. But there's very little that he can do that will get him fired. Who, McConnell? Yeah. I I, I actually disagree. Um, I have a feeling that and McConnell does it. Because here's the thing. If they couldn't get health care done with, with their supermajority, um, I don't see them getting uh, taxes done. Because it's going to take – that's not something they could do, I don't think, through reconciliation – uh, that's something they're going to have to get some Democrats on board with. And um, so I, I just don't see that happening, especially when you look at what they're talking about. Um, you know, they, they're talking about lowering the tax rate for, um, for you know, corporations. And they're like, well, it, we, we'll lower the tax rate and close, quote unquote, loopholes. But, you know, they don't say what those loopholes are. And, you know. If history tells us anything, the people who are going to get screwed are always going to be the middle class and lower class. So um, I think they're going to have a lot of trouble. And then uh, I, I just don't see how taxes are easier than health care. So if they can't bring something that they want in health care and they can't bring something that people want with taxes, 2018 is going to look real bad for the, for the Republican Party, and it's going to look bad for McConnell. People aren't going to vote him out in his constituency, Rich. They just won't. Lindsey Graham, that motherfucker knows he's not going to get voted out because people are sheep, and when it comes down to it, people don't like change. So they will continue to vote for the same dudes over and over again. I mean, I, I, I agree with you. I expect them to lose. I expect them to not pass these things. Because see here's here see I think I think McConnell might be in more danger than than we realize because 
I, I get what you're saying that people, his constituents, are going to vote to send him back, but I don't know that that's necessarily true. When you look at this um, primary in in Alabama uh, with Strange and uh, the other guy, um, it, uh, his name escapes me. But the point is, Strange was more or something. More, yeah, he, he was you know backed by um, Donald Trump, you know. But Moore was the one who's backed by all these anti-McConnell people, all the you know, uh, the Gorka and. Um, no, he was backed by he was backed by like the alt-right band. Right. Type yeah, people. Gorka. Yeah, and, yes, and, but it's different. Alabama is a different. That's a whole different thing. Yeah, but, McConnell, but the McConnell reason I said hasn't had a wolf. His most significant challenger was last uh, election. It was like the first time where he got close to it wasn't a runoff, but. The closest time someone got within like 45 points of it, and he's still won by 39%. Like, he's not. Okay. Now, if you let me finish, the point I'm trying to make is that Alabama was heavily a Trump. You know, Trump has his biggest numbers and biggest supporters in Alabama. So, if they wouldn't support, you know, the. the the guy that Trump told them to support, that shows that there might be a schism in the uh, Republican Party that. You know, this whole ultra nationalist, um, you know, right wing type. I, I I think that there might be a schism. I mean, we won't know until you know much later. But I mean, when you have people like uh, Bannon and and Gorka and you know Sarah Palin coming back, uh, there, there's a thought that the Tea Party might, the Tea Party types is you know ultra right. Are going to have have much more power than we probably think, and they'll be the ones trying to get the McConnells and the quote unquote insiders out and, and draining the swamp because Trump apparently can't get it done. I don't believe that for a second, um, because I think people are confusing the fact that people didn't pick Trump's person with the with the idea that he won't that those people won't support Trump because when it comes down to it. Those people, if they had to, if you ran a Democrat against either one of those guys, Strange or Moore, those Republicans would have voted for both for the for Moore or Strange, despite whether he's an insider or not. The fact of the matter is, when it comes down to Republican versus Democrat, politics has become like sports, and now people vote for their team; they don't vote for their interests. Now, right? No, no. What, what I'm saying is, there might be primary ch- challenges that prevent McConnell from getting back. Hell no, man. But the closest anyone's gotten to beat McConnell in a primary, um, it hasn't come close. It just hasn't happened. I'm saying so, that was then. This is now. We we don't know. We we're in uncharted territory. I disagree, hundred percent. Well, I, I we'll have to put a pin in it, right? <laughs> I guess, and, and uh, we'll figure it out later. <laughs> um, let's move on to a, a segment. I think this is probably going to be the last time we do this segment. Uh, so uh, I let's say farewell to Cop Watch. Yeah, um, I'm pretty sure this, uh, based on uh, just if you took the statistics and just current events and the way things are, pretty sure this will be the last time we have to do a Cop Watch. So it was a bad it was a bad week or so for cops. Um, uh, you had officers uh, who were responding to a, um, I think it was a reckless driving, or maybe it was a, song, oh, hit and run, that's what it was. 
um, uh, in Oklahoma City, and when they approached the place where they believed the the uh, vehicle went to, the one that ran went to, uh-huh. they found a man who was on his porch holding a two-foot metal pipe with a loop around his right arm. Um, the officer who arrived called for backup and then ordered the op- ordered the man, a one... Um, I want to get his name. One Magdiel Sanchez to put the stick down. Um, unfortunately, Mr. Sanchez was deaf and could not hear their um, their commands. Neighbors uh, and bystanders tried to warn the officers, yelling at them that he was deaf. He's deaf. And unfortunately, uh, or either they said they didn't hear. Supposedly. The fog of war, Jonathan. Evidently. Um, one officer pulled his taser. The other one pulled his gun. They both fired at the same time. Uh, the officer who pulled his gun uh, shot the man, I believe it was seven times. Got to empty that clip. That's their training. Obviously killing him. Uh, and, of course, uh, neither officer was wearing body cam. Oh, that's convenient. You know, when when you murder someone, the last thing you want to do is have a video record of it. Uh, if they learned anything from the Walter Scott trial, it's you know, don't wear a camera, because that might that shit might get you sent to prison unless you're in South Carolina. Then it just gets you a hung jury. Um, another officers uh, in California uh, after getting reports of a. Uh, Actually, no, this one actually wasn't even reports. An officer was just pulling into a 7-Eleven um, when he got into an altercation with a bystander. Uh, the two began to tussle. Uh, supposedly, the man pulled an object from the officer's belt. The officer um, unholstered his pistol and then shot the man seven times, killing him on the spot. Um... I saw the video of it, and I wish, obviously, you wish there was video from prior to the fa- prior to when they were rolling around. I don't know if that officer had a, a body cam or a dash cam. Um, I imagine he didn't, because that seems to be the easiest way to ensure you get away with one of these things. It'll be interesting to see, you know, what comes of this. Uh, I imagine that, you know, nothing will, because that's that that tends to be the way. Yeah, I mean, it, it's just, this, I, I think hopefully maybe times are changing, who knows, um, but it, it's de- it's depressing that, that we're still facing these problems. And um, they're, and they seem to keep mounting, even though, you know, I'm, I'm pretty sure this is the last cop watch we'll have to do, because everyone seems to be trying to get it out of their system now, you know, just get the murders out, get them out now, that way we can move forward. Uh, officers in Jefferson County, Colorado, after receiving reports of a Audi Audi that was driving recklessly in traffic, saw the Audi in a, a auto parts uh, place. When the suspect came out, the officer asked him to, uh, you know, to step out of the car. He wanted to question him. The guy basically was like, "Screw you, you don't have anything on me." And um, when he got into his car. The officer stepped back when he started the car out. The officer fired seven times into the vehicle, 
killing the man. And he's on an administrative uh, leave, aka paid vacation. Um, but I'm sure that when they investigate themselves, they will find they did no wrong. <laughs> uh. But again, you know, I, like I said, I think everyone, they're getting this out of their system. Uh, they're just, you know, using these incidents to find the bad apples. And uh, I'm sure that this will be the last cop watch. So I hope everyone enjoyed it because it's over. Yeah, and let's move on to our main topic. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the main event. And our main topic is uh, sports and protests and kind of just like the whole topic is about the history and whatnot and what's going on. Uh, because you'd have to be living under a rock to not have heard about what's going on with the NFL. And uh, Trump attacked a few NFL players saying that they basically saying that anyone who took a knee that they should fire those sons of bitches. And then that caused the NFL to come together and to unite around uh, people who are, you know, doing these protests. And um, so that's been a, a, you know, a big deal. And we just wanted to talk about it because I found it interesting, like as a person who's not into sports, it's kind of on the outside looking in just to see how people were so quiet before, you know, and um, you have people like Colin Kaepernick who really brought this to the forefront, even though I think it should be said that other people were doing it before him. But you know, I think, John, you have reasons for why Colin is, I guess, bigger than other people and why his protests uh, reached more people than others. But I just wanted to say, like, before we got into this, you know, on the outside looking in, I, f I find it pretty interesting. And, um, yeah, so, like, I, I know I've got some opinions that are probably uninformed because I just don't have the history because, you know, like, uh, uh, who's it? Good. Goodell. Um, yeah, he, he put out a tweet. I think it was a couple, uh, Friday or Thursday or Friday or something about supporting the, you know, the players and whatnot. And, and I guess the organization. And I, I noticed a lot of people pissed off at what he was saying. And I was like, uh, I don't quite grasp why everybody's so mad at him for for this when it looks like he's you know on people's side. So I guess why don't we start there? Well, one of the reasons why people were so upset with Cadell's um, statement is not necessarily what he said, but the fact that he waited so long to say something. Um, many people, especially those who are supporters of the protests, feel that Colin Kaepernick has been basically. Um, blackballed and kept out of the NFL uh, the NFL largely is a white dominated uh, sport in the sense that white men own all the teams with the exception of one uh, which is owned by an Indian gentleman um, most of the GMs are um, are white uh, it's still a league that looks down on or is more critical of black quarterbacks uh, evidence the fact that like a lot of people say Colin Kaepernick isn't playing anymore because he is not a good quarterback pointing to the fact that the San Francisco Giants 
that's Giants, excuse me, San Francisco 49ers went uh, two and 14 last year. Which you you could almost say, hey, well, it, it, that seems like a, a reasonable thing. Uh, however, the point of the matter is that a he won both of those games. B he had 16 touchdowns to four interceptions and a higher quarterback ratio than half of the starting quarterbacks in the league and all of the backup quarterbacks. Not to mention the fact that you know he was basically one of the only good things on that team. So it's real easy to give Goodell credit for that simple statement, but it's like, where have you been all this time when you had GMs and 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 uh, owners and unnamed sources just dragging this guy's name through the mud, saying he didn't want to play, saying he wasn't up to it, you know? It's like the only reason why, and this goes to not just to Roger Goodell, but also to people like Jerry Jones, the owner of the Cowboys, who knelt uh, with his players who knelt as a team before this, the uh, National Anthem on Monday night. Um, the idea that, you know, all these guys who are holding hands in unity, um, the owner of the Jacksonville Jaguars who did in, in London with his team this week, you know, seven of those guys gave Donald Trump a million dollars. So while it's nice to say, oh, these guys are... are standing up for their team and they're fighting for their teammates, you know, for a lot of people, they just look at it and they say, Trump basically tried to tell them what to do and tried to mess with their money. And that was their way of uh, basically, you know, looking back at him and saying, Hey, you know, you stay in your lane. I've heard that. I've heard that a lot that, um, he was messing with their money or, or whatnot. Um, can you explain that? Because it seems to me like even if he, even if Trump is attacking the NFL players, um, it, I, how does that affect what the NFL owners might bring in? Like, because, because it seems to me, you know, this would just be another attack that, that Trump levied against them and they could just ignore it and nothing would happen. Because it seems like by by making this stand, that might hurt their money more than whatever Trump could have said. Because I I see people talking about boycotts, and I think that there are uh, cable companies um, that are offering refunds for uh, like NFL packages and whatnot because people are like, I'm not supporting the NFL and, and and things like that. Yeah, but like I saw a guy who posted on on Twitter who was like, Yeah, I canceled my NFL package, and I talked to the guy, and he said that. Um, they've lost something like 150 dudes, you know. The NFL package is purchased by millions of people. It would take so many people canceling their packages to have an effect. But if those owners don't come out and say something after what he said to those black players, I think there's a very good chance that... Um, I think there's a very good chance that a lot of people, especially black athletes, black supporters that they pull out and stop watching but do you really think that because like uh, i saw i saw this twitter campaign boycott um the you know the nfl that that came out like um i know um way before before this you know the the, the i guess the boycott to the people protesting you know boycotting because kaepernick's not on a team i think uh sean king and, and, and some other people are behind it, but I haven't seen anybody boycotting 
the NFL because of this. So I, I, I guess from somebody on the outside looking in, it doesn't, I don't understand what's all that different about what happened here versus what happened like any other time. Like why, why all of a sudden do the owners feel like they needed to step up when like all these people stepping up, it seems good and all, but it seems like everyone's stepping up for the wrong reasons, I guess is what I'm saying. Like, it seems like they're stepping up, not because of the protests. Like they're not here to say, Hey, I'm here with my other teammates and my other colleagues and whatnot. I'm not, I'm here to protest, uh, police brutality, inequality, racial, you know, discrimination, whatnot. That's not what they're protesting. What they're protesting is being attacked by Donald Trump. Exactly. But that is the point. And here's the thing. Like, if those owners don't step up and the NFL goes quiet on this, then maybe the players don't show up. You know? As opposed to, oh, you know, I'm I'm this... Not just the players, but the fans. Because, like, the thing about it, not that I would expect um, a, a fan like cam newton to come out and say something like like be like you know i'm not gonna play but they're real they're solid serious players who would if the nfl didn't back them up i could see them saying we're not playing this week we're not you know we're going to make an effort a purposeful effort to to show a, a force you really believe that i i don't know maybe i'm just skeptical and, and I'll, I'll bow to you know your wisdom on this one, but it, it seems to me like it's just, I don't know. It didn't seem like there was any cost for these guys. And it, because I don't know, they haven't said anything before and there weren't any problems. The boycott wasn't going anywhere. So why now? I think now, I think things have changed now. Like I think they're over the, over through this season, um, more than anything, especially, with all the Colin Kaepernick stuff that has happened, like, I think that um, people have gotten to this point where they're like, the players, they understand the power they have, and a lot of them are willing to go to the to the ultimate lengths of being like, respect me or I'm walking. But do you really think that's what ha- what's happening here? I guess what I'm I do, asking. I do, I do, and the, the reason why I say that is because. But were these guys you know, kneeling? Were they kneeling out of some sort of camaraderie for each other, or were they kneeling because of the protest? Like what? Like what? Yeah, was this kneeling that we saw a protest against Trump or a protest against everything that Colin Kaepernick and like people in the NBA have been doing? The kneeling from the players is all about. I believe um, it's about the protests, about Colin Kaepernick's protests. That's the reason why you've seen more players kneeling uh, this year than you have any other year. Um, And the reason why I say that is because of the fact that for them, I think they, I think the Trump presidency has been more than enough to get them moving. Like there were so many people who were after Charlottesville were like, "This, I, I can't let, I can't allow this shit to happen anymore." Like, you know, it was easy for me to sit on the sidelines and not take the hits, but it's like, I also think a lot of guys seeing the fact that, like, um, seeing the fact that Colin Kaepernick uh, was so railroaded, they're like, that could be me. And it, and it doesn't necessarily have to be because I said anything brave or because I did anything clever. Like, it could just literally be this owner thinks... I shouldn't fucking be speaking 
and that's enough for him to to, to throw me out. Okay. Um. Quick question: Will this help Kaepernick at all? Because like right now he's not playing in the league. Do you think that is there any shot that Kaepernick actually gets in the league this year? I don't know if he gets in the league this year, but I think that um, I could see a scenario where even though he doesn't get into the league this year, he gets in the league um, next year. Uh, not necessarily because I think a lot of it is just because of the way football works. Like mm-hmm. the the idea that um, uh, you know learning in new systems and having a quarterback coming in halfway through, you know, like it's there are a lot of things that that would complicate his coming in as a as an athlete. Um, but I will say, I do believe that next season more um, more coaches and head front people will be more than willing to bring him in, largely because of the fact that uh, people will be less afraid now to uh, to bring him in. Because a lot of the reason why he didn't get brought in was because of the fact that there were a lot of uh, different uh, people in different communities who are like, we don't feel comfortable ha- with him being here. Mm-hmm. However you want to feel about that concept. Um, so there are a lot of people who had that who had that feeling about him, who had that belief. So I think a lot of people who were afraid to be like, you know, Trump is kind of fucking racist, and not just Trump is racist, but these people who are fighting against the, the uh, Colin Kaepernick's protests, I think before a lot of people were able to convince themselves that like this fighting against Colin Kaepernick's uh, protest was all about uh, respecting the troops and the flags. Yeah, and the flag and all that stuff. And I think a lot of people have come to the grips that are like, "Yo, this is actually bullshit," and I'm more than willing to to uh, to fight for these guys. Yeah, because I think let's let's talk about that too, because I think that's kind of an important thing to talk about. Like on, on one side, you have people supporting the protest and protesting because we're, they're protesting and bringing awareness to racial inequality, to um, police brutality. And these things I think are, are very important. And a lot of people just would rather not talk about it. And I think that's what a lot of the counter protest is, is that, it's it's not so much that you know they they really have strong opinions either way. I think a lot of these people just don't want to talk about. It. They don't want to deal with it as long as it's something that they can ignore. But you have somebody like Colin Kaepernick and all these other teams kneeling. It's something that they have to talk about. And you know you hear them say things like it's about the flag and respecting the flag and whatnot and respecting the troops. And then when you actually break that down, you realize just how much, you know, bullshit that is. Because like, for instance, the fact that the, I guess the teams coming out for the, the national anthem wasn't something that happened until quite recently. If, uh, if I'm not mistaken. That's correct. Um, it was right around, I want to say 2004 that uh, the NFL basically started working with the military to highlight military service, um, had all the flyovers outside of the Super Bowl and all the flag preparation stuff. Um, uh, It was one of those in response to like 9-11 fake patriotism bullshit. But one of the things that is funny about it is like all these people 
almost like a Mandela effect. You have all these people who are like, oh no, it's always been like that. They've always been playing the national anthem, even though that's not true, you know? Um, and so you have this this fake patriotism this that, that, you know, it's all wrapped up into it. Even though people don't realize that, like, uh, you know, uh, one, the NFL forced the military to pay for it. Yeah, we're talking like millions of dollars, too. It wasn't cheap. Millions of bucks for them to have the right to march out on the field and do all these, you know, this fake pageantry. Um, And, I mean, outside of it, when I think about the protests and the fact that, you know, these protests aren't necessarily... The people who are upset about the protests aren't upset about the fact that it's like the national anthem on a flag. Because these are people who, um, I don't know, Reg, I don't know how many professional games you've been to or if you've been to an NFL game, but... I have not. I went... I, so I've been to a couple of NFL games. Um, people don't stand up for the national anthem. Like, some people do, but not like the entire state. Yeah, because that, definitely, that's something that I thought was funny about is people talking about not respecting the the flag and whatnot and standing up for the, the national anthem. And then uh, uh, there's this meme that's been going around. It's like you at home versus you on the internet talk. You know, it's like you at home when the national anthem plays, it's you know guys just sitting in their chairs, but then, you know, they talk on the internet like they're, they're Captain America or something. And that's the thing. Like I have, I host, um, football on Sundays a lot because I have direct TV so I've had the Sunday ticket for a while um, and I get every single game and I can tell you people don't stand up for a national anthem like it just doesn't happen there are some sports where that happens mm-hmm. baseball they've been playing the national anthem in baseball it's, it's just what it is it's what you do when you go through the ball game national anthem same thing with hockey uh, national anthem the Canadian national anthem you know um, but football's not one of those sports. And even so, even in those arenas, like, you know, sometimes everyone stands up, sometimes everyone doesn't. The idea that, like, a person kneeling is, is like, disrespecting the flag is the most asinine, the most bullshit thing ever. It basically just allows people who don't want to talk about the need for police, bruta- uh, uh, police brutality examinations, investigations, um... It's basically just an excuse for them to not have to talk about the subject. And I think about people like um, NFL player, Super Bowl champion, MVP, Drew Brees, who constantly is one of the first people to talk about how it's unnecessary for uh, the... um, It's unnecessary for these protests and it's not the appropriate time to do it. Yet, he has been a staple in New Orleans, a city that lived in Katrina that has had just a history of police abuse against unarmed civilians, against people of color. You haven't heard Drew Brees say a damn thing about that. Yeah, and I think there's something that should also be said about that. Like, if if the first time you speak up against something like this is is to, you know, to basically punch down, then, you know, that's really a a big problem. And, And Well, the bigger thing for me is just like, you not once have said this. We have a need for this, even in your statements about why, um, about Colin Kaepernick's protests or other players' protests. You don't hear them say. They they might say I accept uh, the fact that he that people have the right to protest free speech. 
you still never hear them say anything like, hey, we need to work on, on police abuse, you know? It, it's one of those things that just blows my mind um, how often people try to use the flag and the national anthem and, and soldiers and the death of soldiers to their own political viewpoint while just being obviously 100% biased. Mm-hmm. Um, and the thing that really kills me is just like the way different sports sort of pro, uh, deal with protests. Um, protests, while it has been big in the NFL recently, and it's been up, it seems like it's in your face because our news media and our 24-hour news cycle sort of just throws it at you over and over again. You know, these protests, especially when it comes to police violence and, and the deaths and shootings of unarmed people, aren't new, as Reg stated earlier. Um, the WNBA uh, did protests when with the Philando Castilla shooting in Minneapolis, the Minnesota Lynx uh, were one of the first teams that came out with uh, black shirts, uh, basically with Black Lives Matter shirts and other shirts, basically just coming to the point that, like, just the idea that they needed, there needed to be, um, what's it called? They needed, there needed to be dialogue and change. And then a few days later, when the Dallas shooting happened, uh, they amended those shirts and put, um, they amended those shirts and put a decal on for the Dallas police officers supporting the, the Dallas Five who had been killed. Like, the NBA, they've had numerous people who have protested during the national anthem and otherwise um, to bring about different things. Um, Sharif Rahim was one of the players who, in the late 90s, early 2000s, would sit, sometimes kneel, sometimes pray during the national anthem um, just because he didn't believe in the nationalistic views of it. He thought there needed to be some change in as far as the social issues. So these aren't new things, you know. People like to act that. You hear all these people who say, you know, keep politics out of sports. Uh, a lot That was basically the anti-message uh, to uh, Jamel Hill, who I'm sure you all know recently, weeks ago, um, uh, basically went on a, a, a tweet where she a tweet thread where she said basically the president's a white supremacist he is the only reason why he was elected was because of white supremacy and he just alluded to the fact that our president Trump is inept and one of the most unprepared and uh, ignorant uh, presidents that we've ever had and all those things are true and can be largely proven um, yet you hear all these people who are like keep politics out of sports keep politics out of sports uh, and then all of a sudden, their president comes flying in with it, and all of a sudden it's like, it's politics and sports is okay if you're defending the flag, and you know. Yeah, I mean, and then you also have the 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 fact that he said things like, um, you know, those people in Charlottesville were were good people or fine people or whatnot, but then these guys who are. And I think that's really what what gets me with, with all this is that we're we're talking about people who are protesting police brutality. You know, they're protesting the fact that um, there are large segments of our population who are not just you know attacked and maligned, but you know this is not something that's under debate. You know, this is something that we're all we all know and we're all talking about, and 
you know, that's what they're protesting and that's what he chooses to, <laughs> to attack. But then, you know, people want to attack the protest, but not like the underlying cause of the protest. Well, that's the thing. Someone brought this up to him on Saturday um, when he was um, going from one plane to another. And they said, basically, why is the fact that you're um, going after these NFL players? You went after Jamel Hill, after other people. He uh, also recently, um, <clears throat> Steph, Steph Curry... Uh, captain and one of the leading stars of the championship um, Golden State Warriors basically alluded to the fact that they did not uh, were not fans of Trump and therefore were not going to visit the uh, White House like traditionally most champions do. So Trump, after hearing about this, you know, much later than uh, than it had already been reported, decided to disinvite Stephen Curry and then try to drag his name. And someone basically asked, you know, why is it that you're coming down harder on these black players than you are on these white supremacists and Nazis who are actually killing people? And he's like, oh, this has nothing to do with black or race or anything. It's it's just, I'm just going after these people who are disrespecting the flag. And if you, I mean, you could be stupid enough to fool yourself into believing that, but Everything in his recent and distant past shows that he loves to attack brown people while letting despicable white people just <laughs> right. sort of get away with doing terrible things. I mean, can you imagine if he had called those guys in um, in, in, in Charlottesville son of bitches? No, he called them fine people. And, and I think, you know, that's one thing I find galling is that this is not stuff that you know, people are making up. This is stuff that we can all see, but yet somehow it's under a dispute. It's one of those things where I'm I'm at the point where when I hear like apologists for Trump and for white supremacists and stuff like that, I just want to be like, just will you just come out and tell me you're racist? Like, just <laughs> can, can we can we stop ending the charade and acting like like you're like you're really upset about the fact that someone's kneeling during the national anthem or that you think they're disrespecting the uh the flag because i i love the different like articles and tweet storms that have come up about about um you know the way the flag is just abused on a everyday basis the idea that a flag is only supposed to um <clears throat> the flag is only supposed to be flown uh Vertical. It's never supposed to be horizontal, the way we do across football fields every Saturday and Sunday. Uh, the flag is never supposed to be used as an article of clothing, the way we do with our bathing suits, underwear, socks, bras, hats, bandanas, do-rags, any type of article you can wear. I mean, the idea that these people are so upset about the way the flag is, especially coming from conservative right-wing America... The same people who, during the Obama era, flew the flag upside down. Upside uh -huh. down, Rich. And yet, they're sil now silent about all that stuff, but just insanely enraged over the idea that Colin Kaepernick and other people had the gall to peacefully protest during the national anthem. Yeah, and something else you hear is that uh, we should keep politics out of sports and things like that. And it's funny because I think what I really, what I think we're hearing is, and I, I don't want to be so, 
what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, I don't want to overstate the period that we're in right now, but it, it kind of, when you look at some of the things that people are saying, when you look at um, some of the same excuses that we're hearing, it kind of feels like it's almost a, a new um, civil rights era type movement that we're, or place that we're in, you know, because what we're looking at right now are people who are saying things like, you know, I, I agree with what you're saying and I agree with your protests. You're right to say it, but I just don't agree with how you're doing it. It's like, these are the same things that we, that, that were said during, you know, the civil rights era, you know, and, and people say things like, well, politics isn't, you know, isn't the place for or sports isn't the place for politics. But then you go back to like, sports has always been a big deal about politics because it's the one place where like Americans of all stripes come to. So of course, you know, it's rife with politics. You go back to like the 68 Olympics with the Olympics where uh, the, the athletes put up the black power fist, you know, and, and had their medal stripped. You go to uh, Muhammad Ali who had to, you know, for, for a time couldn't fight in America because you know, of, of his uh, protests with uh, Vietnam. Um, so, like, it's always been there. And, you know, even Jesse Owens, it was a big deal that they had a black guy going into the, you know, into the um, the Major League Baseball. So, when... Olympics. I'm, I'm sorry, Jackie Robinson. You're right, you're right. So, like, when people say that sports isn't political, it's like, it's one of the biggest lies in the world because it's always been political it can't help but be political yeah it's it's just one of those things where when you take a sit the set a second to set back and think about like what people are ranting about and then think about the actual history of things you realize just how fucking bullshit it is because the idea that someone could say oh you don't like these guys are disrespecting the national anthem. It's about liberty and freedom, and and yet, if you read the second, if you read the second verse of the national anthem, it's about you know killing slaves who sought freedom, um, because they they chose to fight for the British, and it talks about how basically, you know, they're less than human, and they're going to be captured again and killed. It's like how can you if you know the true history of, of of our history our flag our national anthem like you would understand just why someone might have a problem with it you know it just seems insane that these people well it doesn't seem insane it just comes to the fact that these people are all doing nothing but talking points that they're not actually thinking about how the other people in this nation feel how the people who are protesting feel um, and which, again, like you say, harkens back to the civil rights era where it's just like these same people who are like, oh, yeah, who talk about freedom and equality, yet are okay with the idea of police sicking dogs on people, you know, are okay with the idea of these people having less than because they're black. And just to hammer this home, I saw a great meme where it showed a picture of uh, a black man who is in the 60s um, at a all-white counter and he's just sitting there 
and all these white guys are surrounding him and obviously giving him a hard time, you can tell. And it says, when was protest ever acceptable, you know, by society? And that's just the truth of it, you know. When people say you're not protesting the right way because of, you know, blocking streets or boycotting products or kneeling, it's people just have to remember that society has never, ever believed that there's a proper way to protest. Yeah, because, I mean, if, you know, protesting in the streets turns violent and become riots, like, that's not the way to protest. You know, protesting in the streets that's peaceful, that's not the way to protest. You know, just sitting down, taking a kneel, a knee, that's not the way to protest. What exactly is the way to protest? Exactly. Because they don't want people to say it in their press conferences. They don't want people to do it in interviews. You're supposed to just catch the ball. You're supposed to do this. And another thing that I, that really kind of pisses me off that always gets on my nerves whenever they talk about this, about um, <clears throat> the right way to protest and all this other bullshit, is the whole idea that... <clears throat> You know, these people, if, if these people who are upset about the national anthem protests or about um, when people block traffic, it's like, if you cared half as much about someone kneeling as you did about the fact that someone unarmed was killed and that officer walked, then this protest wouldn't be necessary. Exactly. Like, if you just gave a damn and just listened a little bit, did a little bit of research. Like, I had this guy who I spoke with on Twitter who was just, <clears throat> didn't, he was like, he kept coming back to Michael Brown as his justification for why they didn't need to be protests. And I kept naming all these other different um, people who have been killed, and he's like, yo, use of force isn't used more often against this one or against anyone or against anyone. And so, <clears throat> I showed him the Ferguson report, the summary of the Ferguson report, and then the breakdown where it basically said, um, you know, what was it called? Uh, the breakdown where it said about use of force against minorities, and it broke it down by, like, when they're unarmed, whether they were pushed, whether they were cuffed, whether they were tased, whether dogs were used against them. They had a stat where in the last nine years in New York City um, cases of dogs being used against youth under the age of 18 all but two cases 98% all but two cases um, <clears throat> involved Hispanic or black or brown people all but two cases and one of those two cases was an Asian and the other one was a white kid and that guy's mind was blown by that concept. He first thought I was lying, but then when he saw the citations and was able to, you know, realize that, like, okay, I'm going to either have to call the entire government a lie, or I'm just going to have to admit this shit is... And that's really what it comes down to, is, like, people not just not wanting to talk about it. That, that's what I really think that a lot of this is about, is that people who would rather this happen in the background, because you can ignore the women's march you know you can ignore all these these things going on in like say Charlottesville and, and call these people degenerate but you can't when, when you're tuning in to watch um your football you can't ignore it, what, what's happening there exactly and that's the thing it's just like what's happening is like for people of color for disadvantaged people they are constantly 
dealing with these things in their lives. You know, it's the thing they worry about when they go to pick up groceries, when they're driving home late at night, when they're shopping, when when a, a cop sees them and they're pulling apart. They have all these different fears and stuff that are constantly part of their lives, and they have no place or very few places to hide. But now, these people who never have to deal with these things now have to deal in their place where they used to find comfort. And for once, they feel uncomfortable and they just want it to end. Like, I don't feel bad for them. I, I'm, I'm glad that these are happening, and that's the reason why I think it's so funny whenever I hear people talking about, like, I'm never going to watch the NFL again, and I'm, you see people burning their tickets and their jerseys, and it's like, bye, Felicia. <laughs> Get out. And, and, and that's the question I do have. Is this going to affect the NFL in the long run, do you think, or is this... Um... The, NFL is in this, the NFL is in the same position that ESPN is right now. Um, with Jamel Hill, where they're like... They what does that mean? Decision. For, for people like me who, who don't know. They have to make a decision. So, if the NFL wants to... They could have gotten... They could have fired Jamel Hill. If they had fired Jamel Hill, Michael Smith, her co-host, would have left. And just about every single black uh, journalist or... Talent. Or celebrity talent. Yeah, they would have left with the exception of the shucking drivers. They would have left. And I think even some, maybe even some of the shotgun drivers might have left just because of the idea that, like, I mean, for the ones who aren't completely ostracized by their community, minority community, that might have been the thing that drove them to it. Um, but ESPN said very clearly, if we lose this, people, we'll lose a huge segment of our, of our viewership. Because the thing about it is, um, black people fucking boycott. I mean... We've been doing that shit for so long that a boycott to us ain't that ain't sweat off. Our okay, head, you know? and I'm glad you mentioned that. But would they really have boycotted? Because it doesn't seem like anybody boycotted yes. when, when Kaepernick was, was, you know, blackballed. So you think? Well, because the the thing about Kaepernick being blackballed is one, the fact that he wasn't so vocal about the fact that he was like I'm being blackballed and all this other mm-hmm. bullshit. The fact that he was able to just sort of take it and turn right into activism like it allows those black people the excuse one of saying we're saying here to keep these people honest so they have to keep talking about it it also allows them the ability to say i, I don't know I, I think it's different i think with all the shit that's happened with trump again i think charlottesville has been a game changer for everyone everywhere like that's the reason why I think without Charlottesville, Jamel Hill would never call Trump uh, uh, a, ra- a white supremacist and a racist the way he did, the way she did, excuse me. Um, none of that would have happened. But Charlottesville just let people understand it's like, listen, tap dancing and being the fucking, you know, being being the company man's not going to get you shit. You know, it's still going to get you, uh, to quote Kanye, uh, even if you're in a bench, you're still a nigger in a coop. That shit is, that's what Trump America has opened up people's mind to. And the idea that they're just like, listen, I have to say something because if I don't say something, you know, at least I, I'm going to die standing that I am on my knees. I think that a lot of people have done that. And that's the reason why you've seen a lot of people who have been like the quote unquote Uncle Tom's, the house slaves house niggers whatever you want to call them like the 
what's his name? God, the Jason Whitlocks of the world. It's the reason why people are dragging Ray Lewis right now. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm pulling a like a hold up. Wait a minute. Go. Ahead. Can you t- explain what some of these people said that that would give them the title that that uh, you're giving them? So Jason Whitlock, basically, that is his thing. He used to be on ESPN and fucking everyone hate him because he's just like a piece of shit misogynist. He's a white supremacist apologist. He's like that guy who gets that you see on CNN or MSNBC who was like, well, it doesn't matter what a white racist or supremacist says. They always have a way to talk it out where it seems where to them it seems like, oh, he wasn't doing that. He was just being sensible. Mm-hmm. It's like that basically is who um, whatchamacallit is. Uh that's who Jason Whitlock is. Like, he's the guy who basically is just like, oh, Colin Kaepernick doesn't want it hard enough. It's the reason why he's not in the league. Uh, they're not blackballing him. People are allowed to say whatever they say. He's the guy. I mean, literally, Jason Whitlock's the type of person that if someone called, if Trump called his mom the N word in front of her, it was just like, oh, he he would he'd find a way to excuse it. He just would like he'd be like oh i wonder what my mom said for her to uh for him to have said that uh-huh. like i like he's just that type of guy and ray lewis you know it's just like guy who basically you know once charged with previously charged with murder uh our accessory to murder part of murder however you want to fucking look at it um he's been the type of guy who basically was like i don't want colin cat i don't know if i would feel comfortable with Colin Kaepernick in my locker room, yada, 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 blah, 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 you know, and then as soon as the NFL's like, oh, yeah, you know, we get attacked, he's like, oh, now I'll go down and I'll kneel with the other players in Baltimore and all that other bullshit, you know, it's just, he's the most fraudulent, obviously fake person, and he's rightfully getting dragged by people who normally would just let it slide. Um, and before we close out the topic, because I think I, I know we were talking about the main topic was supposed to be sports, and it was really just about the NFL, which is okay. Um, I, I did want to mention, I guess that you know this has been going on. I think we said this already, but you know the NBA and especially the WNBA, and I think even uh, soccer players uh, took part in in this, like. Uh, before it got big, you know, we're talking about this has been going on, like like you said, since like the Cleveland, some of the shootings in Cleveland and whatnot. So, I mean, it's big news now because it's happening, I guess, in the NFL. Is, it, is that right? You know, because it's the NFL and those are more popular among a more diverse group of people. But um, these things aren't, you know, they're not new. People need to stop trying to change the history of things like people need to stop making it seem like oh this is just a matter of it's stop trying to co-opt the protest you know this isn't a protest against trump this isn't a protest against republicans this is a protest against police brutality against the unarmed killing of uh, of, of black men and people of color and other vulnerable minorities like people have got to get that shit through their heads and i think you know i i honestly believe that you know, people are going to start coming to that. I think you see a lot of people saying, remember what this protest is really about. And I think people, I, I think we're at a point now where we are going to overcome like this point in history where we have to have people kneeling and protesting and whatnot. And I think times will change. We shall-
before we go, I just wanted to, to mention that what this whole thing is really about. Um, I think it's important to remember that this is about, you know, police brutality. This is about, um, you know, the inequality. And you see a lot of people co-opting, as you said, John, they're, they're co-opting what this thing is really has been about. They're trying to make it about freedom of speech. They're trying to make it about um, respecting the troops, respecting the flag and all these things. And I, I think, you know, it's important to remember what it's about, because if we let them change what it's about, then it lets people I, I feel like it gives cover for people who want to uh, complain when, when you lose what it's really about and, and we make it about something else, then what the whole point of it was gets lost and, and we can't fix the reason this whole started. Uh, along those lines, I think really what that comes down to is that you need to, you know, basically call a spade a spade. I, I think that's most important because like I, I had this weird, this weird debate this week and people have been arguing over whether or not Donald Trump is, is a white supremacist. And I had an argument like that this a couple. I had an argument like that a few weeks ago, a few days ago, rather, on, on Twitter. And people were up in arms about the fact that there are people who would call Donald Trump and his supporters white supremacists. And, I, and you know, if you've listened to I, in my humble opinion, if you're in, you're listening to this, then you probably have since this it's in the same feed. I've always said that people who are who, who voted for Trump aren't necessarily racist. They just didn't have a problem with his racism, you know, and now we're six, seven months into his administration. It is very clear where he stands on white supremacy and racism. He has no problem supporting those things and holding them in high esteem. And if you're a supporter of Trump, whether you like it or not, that's something that you are supporting. And it's important to to, you know, that's something you guys need to deal with. And and you shouldn't lash out at people for pointing that out. And and like that's the argument that I had over the weekend with people saying, oh, you shouldn't treat people that you call friends that way. And like as somebody rightly pointed out, well, what about what they're doing to us? You know, what about what? their support for Trump are doing to people of color, to the LGBT community, you know, people in Puerto Rico who, you know, over a weekend can't get anything from Trump out of him, you know, five days after a storm and nothing. And then all of a sudden, you know, these NFL players get all his attention. There are a lot of people who are actually being hurt by this administration. And it's not something that we can just be like, well, uh, in four years, he'll be gone and, and we can rebuild or whatnot. Like there are things that are happening right here, and right now that are affecting a lot of people and a lot of people are in danger. People who are being picked up, you know, because they're undocumented citizens being picked up while trying to take their kid to get medical treatment. People who are staying in the path of danger for storms for fear of being picked up by ice. Uh, you know, despite what you may think about immigration or or rules on things like that, though that's just inhumane to treat people like that to to treat them like less than human because of politics. But be, and, and to find excuses for that is, I find it a bit repugnant. And to that point, I, I feel like. This whole NFL thing is it's all part of the same ball of wax where like people who are saying I, I don't have a problem with, with what you're saying, but how you're saying it, 
I, I, I have a problem with people saying that because basically what they're saying is if, I think we said it in, in John, you probably have the better quote of, of this, but, um, the first time you're speaking out against something is speak out against, how's that go, John? Help me out here. If the first time you speak out about a protest is to protest the way someone is protesting and not the message. And yes. And I think, and, and well, no, I just, I think when it comes down to it, um, I think you hit the nail on the head. It's just like people are being actually being hurt by this. You know, these, this administration, the things that they have done, the things they have stood for, you can't say that this administration has not shown from its very onset that it was racist. And if you have a problem with someone saying Trump is a white supremacist and a racist, then either A, you are ignorant of his past, or you are willfully biased to the point that you can't admit the truth. The fact that he has been charged by the Department of Justice on numerous occasions from numerous different entities, different organizations and endeavors on racially related mistreatments of people. The fact that he came out, the first thing he said when he decided to run for president was, Mexico's sending us their worst, their rapists, their, their, their thieves, their drug dealers. The fact that he said all these various th- anti-LGBTQ things, anti-immigrant things, he was one of the leading one of the leading voices in the birther movement. He has a record so long of, of just racially biased and racist actions that it's no longer in doubt. And we're not asking you I mean, I would love for you to stop supporting him and be a little more humane, but if you can't do those things, if you feel like you must support him, at least be honest enough with yourself. To be honest enough with everybody right. else. Right. Just, just know what you're supporting and and, exactly. and what the consequences of that are because there are consequences. And and don't get mad at people for pointing that out and don't act like th- there's some slight against you because there's not. I mean, as much as it, it it's about who you're supporting, but you have to acknowledge what it is you're supporting. Like I, I supported Obama for eight some odd years, you know, and one of the things that that meant one of the consequences of that support was that, you know, he killed so many people in drone attacks, you know. Indiscriminate killings of civilians in drone attacks. I supported right. that. By supporting Obama, even though I didn't agree with that, I part of my support went to that, you know. So I'm not going to go so – I don't know if I could go so far to say that the blood is on my hands because I didn't disavow Obama, but – you know, I can say that in some small way, I supported that by not disavowing him, not speaking out against things like that. I mean, I spoke out against it, but I mean, by not I get doing, doing more. more. Yeah. And, and that's and that's basically all we're saying. If you despite how you felt about Hillary, about Democrats, whatever, your support of Trump, whether you are whether you feel you are racist or not has emboldened and supported racist people, policies, and actions. And that's just the way it, that's what it comes down to. It's not pretty, but it is a truth. And, you know, how you deal with that, I guess, is, you know, that's on you. That's how you deal with it. But I, I don't, you lash but don't out lash out at, at people because they're, they're pointing that out. And, and I don't think that this is one of those we can agree to disagree situations. It's, it's pretty cut and dry at this point. Yep, 
to quote um, Talladega Nights, don't you put that on me. Don't you put that on me, Ricky Bobby. <laughs> and with that, uh, you can find John at TempeWMF on Twitter and Instagrams and all that. And you can find Reg at uh, Hadanis, H-I-D-D-A-N-S, uh, Twitter and Instagram, as well on the In My Humble Opinion podcast, on Cinema Chat podcast. You should ch- check out our episode on Constantine. I heard it's the best episode they ever did. Uh, nobody um, did that. You should also <laughs> check us out on Tempe's World, which will be back with some new episodes starting next week. Uh, that is the first week of October. This has been Brother to Brother. We hope you guys have enjoyed the um, the show. If you have any topics you want to talk to us, send us an email. Um, brother to brotherpod at gmail.com. And as always, we like to leave you with this word of advice. Um, you know, speak your truth, tell your story, and stay woke.